Hello, and welcome to the Startup Brew Fargo podcast. Startup Brew is a weekly event hosted by Emerging Prairie in downtown Fargo, where we believe that entrepreneurship is energized over brews. Each week, we bring entrepreneurs, founders, and innovators together because we believe they succeed when they have access to each other and the community that supports them. This week, we welcomed two regional growers, Chase Nelson and Nate Thorsrud, to showcase the agricultural community in the area. We're going to kick things off today with Chase Nelson, a farmer near Fargo, where farming is a family affair as he works with his dad and his brother-in-law, raising about 6,500 acres of corn, soybeans, wheat, and arona berries. Let's listen in. Hi, as Emma had mentioned, my name is Chase Nelson, and we farm just outside of Fargo, North Dakota, about 35 miles near Arthur. Um, We raise around 6,500 acres of corn, soybeans, wheat, aronia berries, and alfalfa. Um, We just got into alfalfa this year, so that's kind of a new experience for us. Um, I began farming full-time in 2015, right outside of college. Uh, I helped on the farm growing up throughout elementary and high school. I can remember in the fifth grade, my dad asked me to come out and run a tractor. I was nervous as all heck, but he showed me how to let the clutch out easily, lift the implement up and down. He said, just drive straight, don't make any skips. I'll come pick you up when you're done. <laughs> so <clears throat> I, I continued to do that throughout high school. And when I finished high school, I wasn't so sure if that's what I really wanted to do. Um, so I went to college. I majored in communications and graphic design. Um, I did a few internships in that and realized that uh, my heart, my blood, everything was in farming. I wanted to go back. So I did that, um, moved there with my my wife. Uh, We've raised a family there. We have two kids. Um, So anyway, some of the things I really like about farming are all the different technologies. Uh, We've started kind of experimenting with anything from marketing to, uh, you know, scheduling maintenance on a different app you know, keeping track of all that, um, all the way to using uh, Harvest Profit to keep track of all, I mean, everything on the farm. Um, That's something I really enjoy doing, trying to make our operation more efficient. Uh, And then another thing on our farm that we really like to do is experiment in specialty crops. So as I'd mentioned, we grow aronia berries. Um, I don't know if you know, know what aronia berries are, but they're uh, a berry that looks like a blueberry, um, really tart, but extremely high in antioxidants. Uh, some of the ways that uh, we try to promote these are um, by selling to breweries, cideries, uh, Wild Terra, Cottonwood Cider, they both use them. Um, but the biggest challenge we've had with them is nobody really seems to know what they are. So, uh, you know, talking about entrepreneurship, we have to kind of create that market. Um, so one of the ways that I've personally done that is we started a festival uh, to gain awareness. 2019 was the first year we had the festival. We teamed up with Nature of the North. I think John's around here somewhere. Um, in 2019, when we put the festival on, we planned to have like 150 people there. Uh, it turned out people were interested. We had 2,000 show up, um, thanks to John. Uh, 35 vendors, a few musicians, some food trucks. Um, We kind of threw it all together in about two weeks, (laughs) but it worked out great. Um, 2020, we unfortunately had to cancel for COVID. And now 2021, we're deep into the planning process, 
currently finding sponsors and vendors. So if any of you guys have a business that wants to sponsor, come hit me up or call John. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about our operation, what we're up to. Uh, thanks for having me. Next up, we hear from Nate Thorsrud, a farmer from Grandin, North Dakota, who farms full-time outside of his other full-time job. His focus is on wheat, corn, barley, and hemp, and he shares his story on how he navigates it all. Let's listen in. Hi there. Uh, I'm Nate Thorsrud. I uh, grew up on a farm in Grandin, North Dakota. It was uh, pretty small, uh, about 600 acres. Um, uh, I guess I always helped farm. Uh, he, I mentioned driving tractor when he was five. I'm, I'm pretty sure I was doing that as well. Um, anyways, uh, I grew up farm, uh, farming and ranching or farming there, and then uh, went to college. Um, got a job. College really wasn't for me. Uh, I was more focused on working and making money and whatnot. And uh, a couple years into college, my dad <coughs> called me and said. Uh, uh, the neighbors got some land for rent. Do you want to farm? I'm like, sure. So that's how it all started. We're up to about 3,400 acres right now. We grow wheat, corn, soybeans, um, and barley. And uh, in 2019, I dabbled in hemp. If you guys have heard a bunch about that, it's not the CBD stuff. It's uh, just the grain hemp. But uh, I had to go in and get fingerprinted and FBI background checked and the whole work. So. Uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I didn't grow, haven't grown any since, but uh, I'll I'll probably try it out in here in a little while. Um, other than farming, I uh, when I first started, I only had about 300 acres. I said, well, this isn't gonna make me any money, so I had to get a second job. So there's a insurance agent in town we were always friends with, and I I asked him if he needed help at all, and he said, yeah, get your license and come on in or whatever. So uh, I did that. Been doing insurance for about oh, 16 years or better, and. Uh, mainly focus on crop and hail right now and and uh, uh, I just I really enjoy helping out farmers <clears throat> picking out the right plans and stuff for their operations so they're so they're really protected in in, uh, in what they do and and uh, I'm pretty particular at a fault like that I, I, if they fail I fail so I'm really really like to help them out like that but that's a that's my story I guess so <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> After the presentation, we opened up to a live Q&A session with the audience. And today we were joined by our host, Emma McIntyre, who is also the lead coordinator of Startup Brew Fargo. Let's listen in. Uh, so while you guys are saving up all the good questions, I do have something to kick us off, which is, uh, and I ask this every week uh, because we love celebrating wins, what are you guys most proud of in the last year in your farming operations? I know, it's been a rough year. <laughs> I, I knew what I was asking, I promise, I promise. Uh, we got everything in this year. Yeah. You don't have to prevent planting anything, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going along with that, the last few years, weather hasn't cooperated real well with us. Um, we went from one extreme to real wet, and now this year it's too dry. So, I mean, I guess I'm just proud that we've made it through. Yeah, I'm cheers to you guys. Let's give them a round of applause. Do we have any questions from the audience to kick us off? Do you have one in online? Roger, what's up? Can you explain the aroma bearing hitter? Is it the voice of the plants when they eat their velvet? How do you harvest it? It's a whole new project. <laughs> Heck yeah. Right. Yeah, so we have 20 acres of it. Um, I was going to. I got nervous, so I didn't really talk too much about it. But <laughs> the reason we got into aronia berries was because 
back in around 2011, my dad had a mini stroke. I was diagnosed with COPD, and one of his pharmacy friends said, you know, you, you should try Aronia. This will help with the inflammation in your lungs. Um, it's, it's a great fruit. Just try it. Uh, and then, of course, my dad, being a farmer, thought, well, I can grow that. So looking forward to today, we've put in uh, 20 acres. We have about 33,000. It's bushes. Um, we harvest it mechanically. There's a, uh, a place out of Watertown, South Dakota, a, a farmer, I guess. He has aroni berries as well, but he custom harvests for us. Um, once they're harvested, they get shipped to Wisconsin, where they get processed and cleaned. And then uh, Axe Water is a company that my dad and a few other guys had started. It's local out of Fargo. Um, they'll buy the juice from the berries, and we put it into this beverage. And that's made in Marion, Virginia. Uh, it's bottled there because they do small runs and hot packs. There's no preservatives in it. Um, so they, they bottle it hot. That seals the bottle and gives you a two-year shelf life. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a it, a berry, so it grows on the bush every year. We don't have to replant it. All we do is keep weeds out of it and mow. Um, we might do some pruning and stuff down the road, but yeah. yeah. Uh, we did get a question in online, uh, and this one's for you, which is what hemp varieties grow at field scale in this region? What are the different types of hemp for farm scale growing? Good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <coughs> the one I grew was X59, it was called. Um, I haven't really researched much more into it. There's probably, when I went to NSU plot out in Carrington, there's probably, oh, I'd say 12 different varieties, and they're all, they're all basically from Canada. So <coughs> they come down here and they test them out at the plot out in, at NSU, and then um, if you can find a guy to market it to, he'll kind of direct you what what variety would work best around this area. So the one I had was X59, I believe is what it was called so and it when I planted it it was super wet that year so half the field drowned it out anyways I didn't even plant it till June 20th so but it still made 800 pounds an acre so which is pretty good so I thought anyways but yeah any plans on doing it again in the future yeah maybe I mean <clears throat> commodity prices are really good this year and hopefully they stick that way so if, if, if they stick that way and a guy can make money on traditionally doing your normal thing hemp is is pretty pretty slow combining and and it's really tough on your combine it's, it's like rope it's really tough yeah. so you got to put pipes on your combine drive shafts so that it doesn't wrap around there and you put a bunch of stuff on your rotors so it spits it out and doesn't tangle up in your rotor so it's it's not the most ideal thing to combine but if it makes money i'd probably do it again yep. yeah okay um, we also have another question in from Randy real quick before we jump back to the audience, uh, which is how does Aronia crop management and marketing compare to traditional crops like corn, wheat, soybeans? And I would throw this back also at hemp as well. So if you want to kick us off with Aronia berries. Yeah, so uh, we've had Aronia berries for about five, six years. We haven't made any money on them yet. Um, we've, we've taken them to get processed. It's actually an LLC that buys them, um, but they don't pay you till they get them sold. Unfortunately, there's just not a market for them, so that's why we're doing the festival. Um, but I guess on a year-to-year, that -year, doesn't. The only cost you have into it is the maintenance, as far as weeding it and mowing. Um, but the harvest is where it gets expensive. So, unfortunately, this year we're looking at not harvesting just because we have nowhere to send it. Um, we'll do a harvest uh, example at the festival, but we probably won't harvest all of our berries. Okay. 
what was the question again? Sorry. How does uh, that specific crop management and marketing compare to traditional crops like corn, soybeans? Uh, I guess for like hemp, you really, normal elevators won't take it. So you got to have a specialty guy who will take it. And, and I wouldn't grow it without a contract because <clears throat> you just sit on it forever and can't get rid of it. So, yeah, um, yeah you just got to find a specialty guy to, to take it. So basically, yeah. so, yeah. We'll toss it back to the audience. Ooh, so many. We'll head all the way to the back first. Um, question for uh, about the aronia berries. I was wondering if you know if anybody uses them in like uh, baking or you know kind of like the useful berries for right. many different things. Uh, with that, have you thought this year without harvesting, maybe having like a pick your own kind of thing out there to bring in a little bit? I guess for our virtual audience, he asked. Uh, what oh man and then i totally forgot the question no i didn't actually forget it i'm just having yeah you heard it sorry sorry virtual audience not today <laughs> all right so what he asked was if uh it was about uh using the aronia and baked goods and if we're not harvesting it if we could do a u-pick basically um so yeah my wife actually makes a lot of things with it it's when you bake it it actually sweetens up so if you just go out, pick it off the bush, and eat it, you're probably going to make a face because it's very tired. It's like choke cherries. I don't know if you've ever had those. Um, but we've tried to sell to different bakeries and stuff. It's challenging because, you know, we, you can contact them, but you got to keep contacting them to get it to them. Um, we can freeze it, but it, it's fresh for only so long. Um, and then as far as you pick, we always allow people to come and pick it. It's hard for me to want to sell it to someone to you pick because I feel like they're doing all the work but um, yeah people are always welcome to come out it's August kind of the end of August into September when they're ready to be picked um, the later they go this kind of sweeter they get um, another wineries really it works really well in wine so we've marketed to them as well How about jelly? yep uh, we make a <laughs> we make a jelly and a jalapeno jelly too um, with it and yeah works great Is it, I mean, it's similar to using choke cherries, I guess, how people use those, but it's, it's more like a blueberry. There's no pit in it or anything. Yeah, no, great family experience. Uh, you pay him, you go pick his berries. It sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Don't feel bad about that. Just yeah. make it like an Instagram thing well, and everybody will get on board. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, we'll head back to the audience and you have to say the question real loud because apparently I can't repeat it. Jordan. Both of you kind of experimented with some, some crafts. What, what drives the decision on what to try and how much to try and, and what what does success look like? How do you how do you judge? You said it's been five years. When do you know it's time to try a different experience? You want me to go first? <laughs> um, I mean, in the past, commodity prices have been low. So for us, it was we need to try something to make money. Um, when we started Aronia, it looked like you could get like two two to five dollars a pound. Um, that's not the case, uh, but we'll, I mean, they're kind of a, I shouldn't say permanent, but it's hard to rip them up, so we'll just keep doing them. Um, if we don't harvest them, they'll just look pretty in the yard. They're, they're an ornamental shrub, so <laughs> they look nice. Um, and then, I mean, right now, like you said, with commodity prices being higher, we probably won't really try to do anything else for a while until they drop again. Yeah, when I, uh, when I got into, <clears throat> or started looking at hemp, it was, it was really, for a couple of years there, it was huge. People wanted to grow the CBD stuff and all that, and I, 
I looked into doing that, but the the logistics of it and trying to harvest it and you have to hang it <clears throat> in rafters to dry for so long and have a ton of people to take the plant apart and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. So then I heard about just grain hemp and this guy has it out, out west or whatever. So uh, I did it because um, it was 55 cents a pound to get, which is pretty good. And you can't spray it. There's nothing labeled for it. All you do is plant it and let it go. So I thought, well, if it if it works, it's going to be good. If it doesn't, I tried it. So that's kind of what I did. So <laughs> Yeah, and I was going to jump back. I mentioned we raised alfalfa th or started growing alfalfa this year. Um, the reasoning we put that in is because we want to transition that field into maybe organic. Um, organic's a hard thing to get into because it takes three years to be certified. Um, those three years you have to plant organic crop, but you sell them at today's commercial price until you are certified and then you can start selling it organically. Um, alfalfa is one of those crops that you can make pretty good money on the bales. and So that's why we have that in. I don't know if we'll just keep doing alfalfa or actually transition, but we have a, a landlord that kind of wants us to. So, Just an ornamental shrub, right? Yeah. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> We'll head, yes, over here, James. Um, what does it look like when you're um, working with, do you work with beekeepers or when you're talking about uh, pollinating these crops, what does that usually look like? Um, I guess we don't work with any, any beekeepers or pollinating anything. The, we did talk to a beekeeper with the aronia when they're blossoming, but it's so short that it just didn't work out for that. Yeah, we haven't had any, any beekeepers around for quite a while, but uh, we used to way back when I was little, but. I haven't seen any for years it's out there, so. Any other? I saw some hands. Andrew Jason. Can you talk about the uh, generational differences as you guys are taking over the family farm and, you know, how the family dynamic works when you're trying to make it more tech savvy and maybe your dad doesn't feel like that's necessary? Dad can't text. <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, I don't know, uh, <clears throat> he knows more than me. Uh, it's good to listen to old guys, but I like to push for new stuff, new technology, all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's a very big struggle. So <laughs> um, I don't know. He, now he just he call, he calls me when I'm doing something eight miles away. I can't get the the computer to work in the tractor, so I got to drive over there to do it. So it's it's frustrating sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah. So on on our operation, it's me, my dad, and my brother-in-law. Um, I don't think my dad will retire. I think he'll farm till he dies. But that was kind of the reasoning when I was in high school why maybe I didn't want to farm was I wasn't sure if I wanted to work for dad, you know, for the rest of my life. <laughs> but uh, as I started learning and listening to him, I realized that some these guys have lots of knowledge. They just, they can teach you lessons that you can't learn anywhere else. Um, but yeah, he... He's pretty good at accepting some of these technologies. If if you can show him that it's going to benefit the operation, he's okay with it. Um, as far as my brother and I starting to take over, uh, it's we're getting the ball rolling. Um, I can tell it's tough for him, but it's a conversation that needs to happen. So it's he's he's doing well with it.
He asked them to elaborate on favorite or new technology that previous generations maybe didn't have access to. I don't know if it's, <clears throat> it's definitely not new, but it was super expensive when it came out, but GPS, you drive straight. When we <laughs> when we didn't have GPS, it was like this, it was like that, it was, it was bad. But GPS, it, it uh, saves a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy. When, you're, when, you do, when you didn't have that, you got so tired after about you know six, seven hours in the tractor, you, you just wanted to quit, but GPS, you can, um, you know, relax and just just watch things, make sure stuff isn't breaking. I can do my second job in the tractor, so that helps too. So, <laughs> scroll through Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I I agree with that, and then also the data management kind of stuff. I mean, you can save a lot of money by, you know, you can track your yields, what varieties you planted, uh, what soil type you're on. I mean, it's before you just you just kind of knew what to put in, but was it the right thing or was it not? Um, so with now with the like climate field views one we use, um, you, you can just keep track of it a lot better and see what's producing better. Um, along with that, we use Harvest Profit. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, it's a local company, but uh, you can kind of link those two things together and uh, see where your most profitable, gro profitable ground is and um, maybe what varieties are costing you too much or uh, what's not working and what is. Ooh, yes, Sarah. And you were talking about, you know, farming is a huge challenge anyway, you guys. You know, I don't think everybody sees how hard you guys work and all the hours you put in, but how important is crop insurance for that? How does that tie into that? And what are the benefits of it? And maybe what's the advantage to have an agent that's also a grower themselves? <coughs> Uh, crop insurance is is really really important to farmers. It's uh, uh, there's so many programs and so much to know. It's it, you know it's really good to have a, a, um, an agent you can trust and and farmers are super loyal. It's uh, to a fault. Um, you know to get an agent that that just farms as well. In my opinion, <clears throat> it helps because I go through what they go through. I know. I, I kind of understand what programs will fit their operation better, and and um, you know, yeah. So it's 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 good to have a guy who who can help you out and and really cares about what you're doing. So we know a guy. <laughs> you just let us know if you need one. Yes. All right. Two questions. First one's easy. Uh, when is the Aronia Festival, Aronia Berry Festival, that's been set? Second question, not so easy. A uh, lot of stress in farming, lots of things you can't control. What are some best practices you lean into for stress management, mental and emotional health? Yeah, so the first question, uh, September 19th is the date we have set. It's a Sunday. Um, it's a free event. I should mention that. Uh, there's, I think there's going to be around more vendors than the last one. I'm hoping it's bigger and better. Um, that's the goal with every event, I think. But um, as far as uh, coping with stress and things, I think, for me anyway, I just have to sit back and remember farming is a job. I mean, we make it a way of life, but you also have family. You need to spend time with family. You need to take breaks, vacations, whatever. Um, for me, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I would say, say that too, you know, I spend time with family. I, I, I'm a little older than, than you, but uh, um, over the years, I've kind of just been... <clears throat> 
way back when you used to, to worry so much on the weather and stuff and what it's going to do and all this and that. Now I just became kind of numb to it because it is what it is. You can't control anything, but you still get stressed out, and there's really not much you can do about it. Just try to do something to take your mind off it. So. And a, a casual beer at the end of the day helps, too. <laughs> Have uh, right to repair laws affected either of you at all in any way? And if they have, like, what's your personal input on them? Or maybe not laws, but more like policies from specific companies? Say that again? That's right to repair policies. I know, oh, oh. Like, that's been a topic of farmers. Has that affected you at all? Um, no, because I don't fix my own stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> my brother does it. He's He runs John Deere up in Hillsborough, so I just call him and he does it. But I, I see the... Uh, I think that's about where farmers, well, <clears throat> like if you're, if you have a John Deere piece of equipment, it's, there's so many electronics in there, uh, an average farmer can't just fix it. You have to have uh, the actual John Deere program to plug stuff in and see what's wrong with it, and farmers can't do that now, so I think that's what it is, and, and uh, but I don't deal with much of that, and so. Yeah, most of our equipment is a little newer now, so a lot of it's warranty. Um, I. I mean, we fix a lot on our own, too, but I don't think it's affected us. Awesome. Any other questions? Yes. Okay, so obviously farming is hard and stressful, like um, you said before. What gets you up in the morning? Like, what keeps you going and why? Like, truly, like, why do you do you Yeah, why do you keep going? I have that one big year. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like... Uh, Oh, I don't know. Uh, people ask me if uh, I wanted to go to the casino once in a while. I'm like, no, I gamble enough. So, I, yeah. it's, a, so it's kind of a, kind of an addiction, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's I just love being out there. I, there's days I hate it too, but like any job, it's I don't know. I just love being there. It's I live there where I work, so it's hard not to get up and go outside. Fantastic. Can we get a quick show of hands? Who all in the audience is from a farming family? Fantastic. That's really cool. Um, I'm curious, before we go, we always ask this one final question, and I'm interested to hear your interpretations of it. Uh, we have roughly 80 of our best friends here today. What is one thing that each of us can do to help growers in our region? Or you two, specifically. We always ask what's one thing that we can do to help you. I kind of just lumped you all, except maybe you have one for yourself instead of just for the general populace. That's okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I, we've kind of been focusing on Aronia. That's a pretty small part of our operation, but um, it's something I want to see grow. So if you can make Aronia a household name, put it in your yogurt, buy Axe Water, do whatever, uh, come to the festival, that would help us out. Heck yes. Same with hemp. Uh, the other crops. They just do what they do, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> and if you know of anybody that needs insurance, we've got a guy. So, And you all come from farming families, so you might. Uh, well, let's give these two a big round of applause. That's all we have for this week's Startup Roof Fargo. Thanks for listening in. Startup Roof Fargo is energized by Emerging Prairie, an organization dedicated to connecting and celebrating the entrepreneurial ecosystem. We'd also like to thank the following sponsors for their support, Pro Resources, Brady Mertz, the FMCVB, Office Sign Company, Fargo Parks, and Midco. See you next time.